Hello and welcome to another edition of the Girl Deconstruction Podcast, which is a special edition series of podcasts from the team that bring you the Youthscape Podcast. I'm Martin Saunders, and my co-host on the yes. Youthscape Podcast has turned, it's like poacher turned yes. gamekeeper. And my body language is kind of, ding it, I'm, I'm kind of like waiting, like yeah. all poised for what's he going to ask me today? This is fun, I like this. Rachel Gardner, <laughs> author of the Girl Deconstruction Project, which mm-hmm. is out... This week. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, in fact, Kabam. yes, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's published by Hold of Faith, um, and a brilliant book it is too, and uh, you'll find out later how you can get your hands on a copy of it yeah. by virtue of bundle, winning yes. a bundle, yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, each uh, day this week we're meeting another brilliant guest, uh, and today uh, it's the turn of Laura Hancock, uh, who's at Youth for Christ. Um, what's her job? I think she heads up the national work there. So okay. national Yes. Head of National Youth Head of Christ. Yes. And she just made her national director. I think we should, that's fine. <laughs> um, and she is also um works a lot with Limitless, the team there, so with Tim Alford. Um and she's a youth worker. That's I think what really comes out in this interview is that she has this national role and national perspective on youth work, but she also does incredible work locally um, mm. in a church and just has such a huge heart for teenage girls. Mm. So we might talk a little bit more today about how this stuff plays out with mm. teenage girls. That's the Girl cool. Deconstruction Project uh, is not a book for teenage girls particularly, is it? No, it's well, I presume like 19 magazine, it'll be read by sort of 14 Did you plus. read 19 magazine when you were 13-year-old? Oh, right? I used to read Just 17. Did you? No. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Like, that world has definitely gone, hasn't it? Yeah, that's, those yeah. no, that's the internet for you. That is. Uh, yeah, so this is written for sort of 18 to 30-year-olds, fully recognising that older and younger might read it, but it's kind of really geared at those those years. Okay. And so, uh, let, give me a little insight into kind of what you're talking to Laura about today. Well, interestingly, with all of these interviews, I didn't plan with the guests beforehand, like, what is the thing we're going to talk about? We just started talking, and then it was very obvious, very quickly, what came to the surface for people. And so for Laura, really, very early on, she shares about something in her own um, upbringing, which is really painful and really challenging for her, that she's had to kind of process all her life. And what comes out of it is just this incredible thinking she does around body image and how, as a woman in the 20s, first century there is still so much emphasis on your body and what your body looks like and you're judged based on that and you judge yourself how she deals with that and she has some really challenging thoughts about how we mentor teenage girls in this space but also how women together how we do this because generations below us are looking at us and taking some of their social cues from us how do Mm. we deal with this stuff and you know i fall into this trap a lot i fell into this trap earlier on in one of the podcasts this week of of kind of kind of um talking about how a woman looks as if she can't look the age she is, that somehow that's a bad thing, she should look 10 years younger to look great. So she is a really interesting one where we kind of deconstruct some of these traps that we fall into. This is um, very much an issue for teenage girls. Mm. So, of course, body image issues don't go away. Uh, You know, probably, I don't don't know if there is a point in a woman's life where she stops worrying about how she looks or thinking about it. Um, but, uh, But certainly it feels most intense in the teenage years. I am the dad of a 10-year-old girl who is astonishingly brilliant at everything. Um, and uh, and my greatest fear as a dad is there are um, lots of stats around. I remember Dove uh, mm. talked about this in one of their advertising campaigns that says once a teenage girl, or once a girl reaches kind of puberty in the teenage years, the, um, the their self-esteem, their self-confidence mm. plummets uh, and a lot of that is tied up in, in body image, isn't it? Mm. So for, for girls, there's suddenly this moment 
um, which I don't think was true of me for a guy, uh, as a guy, sorry. Um, uh, there's this moment where suddenly you're aware mm. that some people look great and some people look like this mm. and some people are judged for looking like that. Mm. And, and are, where do I fit in that spectrum? And that probably the tendency in, in all humans mm. is naturally to assume the worst and to mm. assume that you're, you're not attractive and your body's not nice mm. and all those things that stuff really kicks in and uh, I, I don't expect you to have an answer to this but um but i think it's a great challenge isn't it how we help girls yeah. not to have their self-esteem plumbing because my greatest fear for my daughter is that being at the moment at 10 she thinks she can do anything she thinks she can take over the world yes my worry is that at 13 she won't think that anymore or that somehow that thought will have been pushed to the far recesses of mm what she feels is okay, is okay for her to be. Because that's the other thing is I think that for a number of girls, and, and again, where these things come from, in a way, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm, I, I just know as a pragmatic youth worker, it happens. Mm-hmm. Teenage girls question mm-hmm. whether their body is a, a, a force for good or actually they're going to be working against it, a project to work on. But, but the fear is that girls who think, actually, I'm quite good at sport. I don't really care about X, Y, and Z. I want to just get on my bike and go cycling. I'm not, I don't want to shave my legs and my armpits. Um, but somehow that they, they kind of have to contort that and hide that away because mm. that just is not socially accepted. Exactly. So yesterday I was speaking to a brilliant woman who runs a massive um, company. She was sat in a sundress and she doesn't shave her armpits. And we didn't talk about it at all, but I clocked it early on. And my initial thought was, oh, you don't shave your armpits. And I thought, that's great you don't shave your armpits. And then I was thinking, oh my goodness, when did you... And I, and I was doing this kind of second conversation in my head as, as we were talking, because I didn't feel like I knew her enough, ironically, to kind of say, yeah. and, I, and I'd like to go back and have a chat with her about it, actually. Because I was thinking, that's incredible, but that is so risky in a yeah. culture that even other women who are highly intelligent, highly engaged, the top of their game, will yeah. be shaving their yeah. armpits. Yeah, because. Yeah. That is more socially, socially acceptable. And yet we wouldn't expect a single guy to no. shave his armpits. So I think there's lots of this stuff that we do all the time yeah, where we yeah. kind of agree almost subconsciously what we're going to adhere to. That, that, it, that is purely culture. Yeah. Purely culture. There's no reason for shaving your armpits. You know, dirty if you don't shave your armpits. So I think you're right. And as, as parents and as youth workers, we, we kind of want to be battling this stuff and holding this stuff at bay so that people in generations below us are given a chance to breathe and to think like mm. how am I going to live in this body that I've been given what mm. am I going to work on because it's good to be healthy it's good to kind of care for your body mm. but notice when those become obsessive moments where you yeah. lose yourself yeah, yeah. and there are some things we can practically do aren't there it's about building really strong foundations mm. it's about helping kids know from an early age of both you know boys and girls know from an early age that they're loved, yeah. that they're unique, that they're valuable. All that stuff is kind of rooted and built as a foundation within them. And that they can do stuff as well. I think yeah. the, other, the other fear is that we tend to give girls messages that are quite passive, like um, that are more about emotions. Yes, and and yeah. we need to say, also do stuff, like physically yeah, do yeah. stuff. Feel the wind in your face and get your muscles going yeah. and get your heart racing. Because the more we help girls climb walls and do stuff yeah. and, and experience their bodies in those ways the more, I would say, un, un, um, more restless they're going to be when they're just viewed, when they're yeah. just seen as a 2D. No, no, I'm not 2D. So when I do girl events at places like Soul Survivor, they often talk about um, sweating, and I, I think mm, I need, they mm. need to hear a woman talk about just physicality. Yeah, That's yeah. really important. We are not hairless creatures. No. We sweat, we fart, we have hunger. Hang, you know, on, hang, these, on, hang on, what? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't go on forever about it, but it's really important that that is not 
what yeah. boys do. No, yeah, it's what yeah. bodies do, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. that's really important that we talk about that. I went to a gig the other week. <laughs> you went to be like, oh, she's about to talk about menstrual products. I went to a gig. I went to a gig. Like, quick. Let's read this. And there was a, I'm not going to pretend I knew her, but there was a the support act. It was Ed Sheeran at Wembley. Oh, yeah. And there was a support act, which uh, she was called Anne Marie. And according to, uh, you know, aforementioned teenage, uh, Nearly one of teenage, teenage daughter. Yeah. Uh, this is like this is amazing that yeah. I saw Anne Marie. I've no idea still who Anne Marie is, but she's you know she's very talented. And uh, she came on uh, in a um, a sports bra, but in a totally non-sexual okay, way. Okay, so kind of active you know, wear. So like active wear, exactly. Yeah. And then halfway through the gig, she she kind of like lifted up one of her arms and kind of sniffed under her armpit. And she was like, "Oh no, I'm doing okay. It's not right. too bad." And I thought, "Gosh, the the messaging is starting to change." Yes. Like a pop star couldn't have been that way 10 years ago but had she shaved her armpits it's really interesting isn't she it? had shaved yeah, her armpits yeah. but, but it's uh, interesting yeah no it is interesting but, but I thought it was a step it's in the right good, direction yeah, I think good. my final thought on it is just that we need to help girls and boys develop critical thinking mm. that is able to hold yes. the culture yes. up to critique yes and say, well done do you know what um, uh, this this is the message this is the prevailing message in our yeah. culture but it doesn't make any sense yeah. why should girls have to shave their armpits yeah. and boys not it doesn't, yeah. there's no logic to that be quiet so sit if, down. Yeah. if we help them to um, critique and, and think critically from mm. an early age I think that puts them in good stead but, mm. um, but I'm no expert and I'm now absolutely terrified about the years ahead <laughs> no she just needs you to show up in her life and keep taking faith football all that stuff is good so uh, today we've got two things, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the second one is a surprise, which we shall unveil at yes. the end to keep you listening. Uh, but first off, uh, you had a great chat with Laura Hancock, so why don't you tell us about Laura and let's, let's go. Well, it was a wet day in Birmingham, and uh, we found a sofa and we just started chatting, and this is what Laura said. The Girl Deconstruction Podcast. So on a very wet and wild day in Birmingham, I found a sofa and found Laura Hancock, everyone. How are you, Laura? I'm really good. Totally inappropriately dressed for the rain, but... I, but so do you, do you get up and just wear whatever you're going to wear? Well, irrespective I, I went to weather. a gig last night, and so yesterday I decided what I was going to wear, and I was too tired waking <laughs> up this morning to, to make any changes to that plan. So uh, yeah. I love you all the more that you fly what you're going to wear. Was it a good gig? What was it? It was such a good gig. What? Yeah, Coco and the Butterfields. Very Never good, yeah, Canterbury-based. Uh, I saw them about four years ago at Glastonbury and then saw they were playing in Birmingham last night. Oh I was on a 7.30 train to London, but I was like, no, I'm going to go to this gig in Birmingham. So I got straight off the train and went to this gig. It was great. I had a lovely time. That is amazing. <laughs> that is so thank you so much for, for chatting. And I, I suppose, Laura, you're, you're a fellow youth worker, aren't you? And yes. you work for Youth for Christ and yeah. you do a lot of stuff with Elim Limitless. Mm. And I'm at the moment just sort of picking a few women's brains about... Like, how do you deconstruct some of the ideas in culture around being female, being a leader, being yeah. a woman, being beautiful, being intelligent, like all the kind of the mar and the mess of stuff that we kind of have to work through. I'd like to hear you sort of chat about, about that. Has it been plain sailing for oh, you? No, and it still isn't. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's something that I've really struggled with, I think. Um, my background, I'm an only child. My mum, when I was uh, younger, suffered really bad with an eating disorder. Um, so I've kind of grown up with family speaking over me a little bit. Well, don't be like your mum. Don't, you know, don't not eat, don't all this. Um, and so I think, uh, and, and, and just working out what that means, you know, and, and I think even as an adult and a female, 
uh, I still have to be really disciplined in the voices that I listen to. Um, just in terms of what I believe about my own weight, what I believe about my own appearance. Um, and it, I would say now it's something um, I'm free from, mm. but I have to keep cutting chains and making sure I'm free from. Um, and so there is stuff I put in place to, yeah, to try and help that, yeah. So that's, thank you, that's so vulnerable and so honestly <laughs> sharing that. Thank that's you fine. so much. Like people listening might have sort of similar stories and just be saying, oh my goodness, I, mm. I totally get that and I totally understand that. So let's sort of backtrack a few years. I don't want you to talk in depth about your childhood, but like mm. as a teenage girl, like those those voices that you like, can you identify where they were coming from? Like about you got to be thin or you got to be tall or you know, what were yeah. those messages? I, mean, I think it's more where weren't they coming from? Um, it's so like you, you know you go through school and you hear what people say about people that aren't a certain shape or you. I mean, I'm so old. It was like magazines. Yes. <laughs> you know, they, you see in magazines. magazines still exist, I know, but no one gets them. <laughs> it's all online. I'm so old, but um. You'd, you'd just be seeing the, mm. your, the visuals that you were presented with um, were very much of a certain shape. Um, and I think I'm, I'm not naturally someone who is stick thin. And I think there's a real, there's been a real journey for me, I think, um, in my late teens, early 20s, around what does it mean to be healthy and the shape that God's created me to be? Mm. So first and foremost, I'm called to be a good steward of my body and a good steward of my character. And um, the important thing in that is that I am exercising regularly, I'm eating well, not because I should look a certain way, but because God wants me to be loving young people and sharing him for as long as I possibly can. And so I have a responsibility to be healthy and all those sorts of things. And actually that's where the healthy eating should come from. That's where exercise should come from. That's where a good night's sleep should come from. Because God is, um, we are, my mum says this phrase, we're peaches, not oranges. Um, and so we can't cut off segments of our lives of what it looks like to be a healthy person. Oh, well, my weight is good and so I must be good or uh, I'm you know this part of me is going well actually we are holes um, and so I believe we are called to be healthy holistic mm. and I think I've had to transition from being like as long as everything on the outside looks okay people will think I'm okay or would like me more to actually I am this whole person mm. that God calls all of me to be honoring him mm. and you know what if I um, way more but I'm eating well and doing exercise that's okay, that's okay. because that's who yeah. God has called me to be healthy um, and it requires I, I guess if I think about my own life as well a huge amount of self-kindness to actually really deal with this because I, mm. I, I don't know about you but I I've, I've battled with some very similar things I had a bit of probably an undiagnosed eating disorder as an adolescent because I was just punishing myself mm. from the outside and then thinking if I can control what's mm. on the outside yeah. somehow this kind of confusion inside of who actually I really am and yeah. all that I can kind of have more of a handle on and it, and it was a kind of a self-punishment mm. and it and it took a lot of lovely people in my life and mm. and God being incredibly kind and generous and also me sort of saying, actually, I'm kind to other people. Why am I not kind to myself? To actually say, no, I'm not going to deal with this because I've got to look like I've got it together. Yeah. But because if God is the lover of my soul and he loves my body and, he, and he's got a call on my life, mm. then actually I'm, I can kind of calm down a little bit mm. and, and say, come on, Rachel, just, just begin to learn to love yourself mm. and, and do this because yeah. of self-care, yes. not because it's a kind of a Christian punishment yeah. thing. I mean, yeah, you're not totally. a good way of... And, yeah, and I think there's a... 
there's a whole thing around being a female and a leader in that as well. Yeah. Like since that was kind of almost past wrestles, I think as you get older and become, you know, oh, you're a female and you're leading yeah. and you speak at stuff, there's almost a, a, I don't think it's greater, but just different expectation to have it all together. Um, and because you're representing for the girls, um, rightly or wrongly, you know, mm. whatever your view on that, um, there's kind of like, well, if I reveal a vulnerability, then actually, does this speak for female kind? And, oh, <laughs> you know, yes. um, it's like the female driver thing. Like, I can't park. And I hate that I can't park because I feel like every time I struggle to park my car, someone looks at me and goes, well, uh. women are parking or whatever, you know. And, and you don't want to be that person. Mm. Um, and so I think, again, you just keep coming back to God has created me as a person, mm. um, a whole person. And, you know there are some things I get horrendously wrong. And actually, people need to see that I get stuff wrong to an extent to know that it's okay to get stuff mm, wrong mm. Um, and to be a female and to mess up and what that looks like. And it's okay to do that. You yeah. don't, because you're, you know, in this position of leadership, people are still to an extent making it up as they go along yeah. and people make mistakes when they do that. And that's true whether you're male or female. Absolutely. And, yeah. It's one of the nice gifts of getting older, I think, actually, isn't it? Yeah. You kind of th- I think in my 20s, I, I knew in my head mm. that people can't have it all as got together as they look. But yeah. I still believe the hype. Whereas I think the older yeah. I get, the more I think, no, I think probably my experience is yeah. actually probably a bit more across the board. Um, one of the chapters in the book, um, or one of the sections is on is on body. And I, and I write a chapter on desire and I write a chapter on on nudity like actually how we feel about the body and how women's bodies are used and misused in kind of public life and it seems so bizarre isn't it that actually we're in 2017 2018 2019 and and actually women's bodies are still covering billboards still selling things still dehumanized and and you are um one of the senior leaders here at youth for christ but you're also a youth worker like Mm. i love that about you you're always (laughs) a youth worker so so, i mean how do you see that played out in in teenage girls lives right now yeah do you know um i think that it's definitely not helpful at all that publicly there are so many filtered images, there is so much exposure physically of female body. Mm. I think what is equally as damaging is what you girls see from their friends on social media. Mm. Um, I think uh, these girls look at accounts, social media accounts, YouTube videos of certain celebrities and go, I should look like that. Mm. But I think... Um, it becomes amplified even more when they see a Snapchat story, mm. an Insta story of someone they know at school who has taken hundreds of pictures, yeah. spent hours and hours and hours making themselves up, getting the lighting right, because that puts a pressure on them that they should be mm. like that. If that was attainable for that person who I know, um, who isn't this far off celebrity, that actually it, it becomes a, a huge thing when it's like, well, this girl that I sit next to in, in science can make herself look like that and I don't look like that. Is that a greater pressure, do you reckon, in a way? I think in some ways, yes. I think equally, they know that in science they don't look like that. But I think there then becomes this snowball effect of, well, if her social media looks like this, then mine should look like that too. Um, And then out come the hours of, you know, making yourself Mm. up, getting the right lighting, getting the right filters. Um, 
And as they see their friends post more of their bodies on social media, then at that point you become different to them if you don't do it. Mm. I think there's always a knowledge deep down that you're different from a model or from a celebrity. But as soon as someone you identify with and is your age and people know, start doing that, then it's it becomes a you could and should be doing yeah, this too. It becomes a norm, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's a brave girl to, to break free from that yeah. and... And actually, you're right, it's, it's a brave girl, but also, in a way, well, we know, don't we, as women, that sometimes if you do things a certain way, sometimes your female friends or female peers can feel inadvertently judged by that. Because yes. you're like, well, well, who are you to take some yeah. kind of moral high and ground? Like, we're, we're putting up with having to do hours of makeup. Yeah. Like, why are you not yeah. doing that? And the thing of, of doing it with grace mm. and graciously mm-hmm. and, you know, not calling that person um, a slut or not calling yeah. that person... Or calling out their insecurities publicly by doing that. But how do you be different but be gracious, be speaking well of your friends, be loving them, um, and not going, well, I don't want to be like her, Mm. she just sleeps with everyone. But And and by even that statement, what you're doing to their character and speaking over them, but but speaking about who you are, not who they're not, um, I think is a real challenge. And I don't know whether people have the language to do that, really. Um, and I wonder actually sometimes I mean you are a whole lot younger than me but just thinking about there's teenagers there's your generation there's my generation I think I see it in all generations and not that men don't do this but I think as women we we do fall for the it's called tall poppy syndrome isn't it where mm. you see a woman doing well and you just kind of want to slightly pull her down mm, yeah. <laughs> and it's a passive aggression of yeah. oh she's doing really well but did you know that yeah. mm. and I just think actually that's so insidious and it's the same yeah. like we see it quite raw with young teenage yeah. girls social media yeah. but actually we see it in our communities and, and within the Christian yeah. community as well I'm, I'm trying to think of an example now within my own sort of experience of peer groups, but I suppose as a mum, it's that parenting thing of, well, well, she does, you know, she does this. Mm. And it's kind of an assumption that yeah. that's not that's not okay, is it? And we other each other, don't yeah. we, in a way that I think just, just dishonours Christ, dishonours each yeah. other. And we're and almost relieved in someone else's failure. You're like, which yay! Is to- yeah, <laughs> which is, and, and yeah, it's horrendous. Yeah. And again, like, I think um, that whole, almost going back to before, like being a leader, being a female role model or whatever, who, who if someone holds that position, actually it's really important to be vulnerable in that because mm. it almost taking the permission away in a sense of going oh she did this well that's mm. a relief because that makes me feel better about myself yes. and so whenever you make a comment about anyone whether they're female or male going you know why is it that you're saying this yes. does this need to be shared does this need to be said is this actually saying much more about you saying this mm. than about them who it's being said about um we've just done a whole load of teaching on this with our young people around mm. you know what you say and 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 some of that, and I think I personally was sitting there with the young people feeling completely convicted about, well, why do you say this about that person? You know, is this actually more about you being relieved that they are as big a mess as yeah. you are? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and again, it's, it's just not, it's not honouring. And so teaching girls to be confident in who they are mm. because of who they are, not because of someone else who, someone yes. like, so, who yeah. someone isn't, uh, in a sense, is a real challenge, absolutely. really important. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. And I think... This is where I think as, as women who are leaders or women who God has called us to lead in whatever sphere, whether it's leading in our home with our children, whether yeah. it's leading in business, in education, in youth ministry, church leadership, I think recognising that actually the way we're going to do that might look different. So one Christian woman might say, actually, 
I'm never going to use infertility drugs or I might never wear makeup mm. or actually to really be living for in the way that God asked me to be, I need to be single or whatever it might be. Mm. And it's really important, isn't it? The rest of us go, well, brilliant, actually. Yeah. If that's yeah. like, if that's what you, God's called you to or if that's, what's, if that's how you're living out, mm. your beautiful way of being made in God's image as a woman, then we need to cheer each other on, don't yeah. we? Because I think within the Christian world, we, we all kind of see the way of being women differently. Some mm. women are loving the headship thing, some other women are like, no, I don't see how that, I can equate that. Mm. But how do we honour each other and say, rather yeah. than splitting the tribe and going into our separate camps yeah. and say, well, we're better than them. Actually, yeah. we're responsible before God of how we live yeah. for him, aren't we? Yeah. And each other on. Yeah. So, so as a youth worker, how do you help young girls reconstruct a different way to kind of do this yeah I mean, basically i'm asking this because i'm a youth worker too I, have no idea. <laughs> so are there uh, any sort of- I don't know that there are easy answers i think um often comes back to root like the root of some of this stuff um we have some amazing young people and young women in our youth group um who wrestle with some massive issues mm. um around self-harm around anxiety, around attachment uh, disorder. I, I think yeah. um, a lot of this isn't, you can have this conversation with them and then they'll, they're sorted. Mm. Um, and what is terrifying in a youth group setting is when <laughs> you watch one young person implode and then take try and take down as many young yeah. people as they can with them because yeah. of their own hurt and pain. Um, and I think at that point it's a bit of... Um, damage limitation mm. it's just getting your arms around people and getting messy with them and speaking into each situation uh mm. and applying each situation rather than being well sit that young person down and have this conversation with them it's it's deeper than that it, it it goes so much deeper and so it's sitting down and being with them in every conversation um and in every stumbling block and in every message that they're considering to send to their boyfriend and teaching them wisdom mm for the moments that you can't be there and be around, that you have to go on holiday, you, there'll be times when you can't be at youth group. Um, so how do you teach them intentionally that when you're not there, this is how they can be handling some mm. of the questions around their identity, around their sexuality, um, around who they see themselves as. Um, yeah, and speaking truth over them, yeah. but doing it really yeah. regularly in a practical, yeah, practical keeping, way. Yeah, keeping their love, which is, mm. I mean, in a way what you've defined is exactly how God treats us mm, yeah i suppose it's the ideal picture of parenting as yeah. well as it is that long game that consistent mm. just speaking over people in love and the way that god speaks over us in love laura thank you so oh, much it's such a pleasure that's so, <laughs> so great now what are you involved with how, how can people find out a bit more about you you're going to be speaking at yeah. summer surviving I, in summer uh, so that's, so yeah, that's happening um, what else are you involved with so uh yeah a youth for christ we uh oversee the church resources department so we make uh, week in week out resources for youth workers specifically to help them engage with unchurched young people mm. so young people that don't know Jesus um, and also for young people who know Jesus to share their faith with their friends oh, so um, that's uh, westyresources.co.uk if uh, that's something that anyone's looking for resources around that uh, and Youth for Christ do loads of different stuff as well yeah. there's um, the year out there's missions teams there's, we just want to bless and equip the church uh, mm. and to see communities changed for Jesus so brilliant. if that's someone's heart and they want to get in touch uh, get in we will touch. help in any that's way we possibly brilliant. can <laughs> oh, thank you so much that's great we've got a uh, girl deconstruction podcast pigeon 
the, where? the, the, the girl deconstruction pigeon. Oh, in the roof. Uh, on the roof above <laughs> where we're recording. There is Such a, a beautiful sound. There's a, there's a pigeon. And I, I know you can't hear it, but I've got this weird thing in my head. And I can't remember if I've made this up or dreamt it. Um, but, but can you do a pigeon sound? Can no, you do a pigeon no. impression? Well, I can, I can try it, but I'm not, I'm not known for you not, You're not... Is that... No, no I, I, it's I, not me. I, I don't know why I thought you could do it. That's and why this would be the moment to reveal that I can do a pigeon sound. That would have been brilliant. That would have been brilliant. Imagine if you could do a pigeon. Anyway, that was not the surprise that we were talking about. <laughs> Instead, um, uh, my friend Jenny Flanagan is a brilliant spoken word artist and um, she's an actor. And uh, I asked her to have a little think about um, women in scripture and just how women use their bodies. And so many stories of women, particularly in the Old Testament, it's stories where they are their bodies are abused and misused um, and they're desperate stories. But one that we often talk about is, of course, Queen Esther. So we often talk about Esther as being just a brilliant kind of example of a woman who is, who as uh, Brené Brown would say, sort of shows up and is, and is seen. But of course, Esther's story makes sense in the light of the woman that is before her, Queen Vashti, who is Xerxes' first wife, who when he says, come and parade in front of these officials, I want to show off your beauty naked, she sends back the message three times, no way. That is not how you're going to use me. My body is not for that. And she is a powerless woman in this kind of system and structure. And she says no. And and because she says no three times, she is murdered. And so, of course, then Queen Esther appears against this backdrop. So she knows she's marrying a man who kills his wives. And so in the light of that, she is just incredibly courageous. I'm not sure that Vashti and Esther would necessarily have liked each other. I'm not sure that Vashti would have agreed with Esther's way of responding and yet it did save a nation but it's an interesting reflection that that Jenny brings to us about bodies and how we see our bodies and kind of even in in systems where we talked about Martin where culture around us sends really negative messages actually what is that kind of sense of this is the body that God's given me and actually I have the capacity to make choices about my body um, and use it in a way that glorifies God and is powerful so have a little listen to this. He said that I humiliated him, and that he must never be humiliated, never could, never should, but me? My shame-burnt body was a crown for him, a glowing gemstone for him to brandish, or might have been, if I had loved him enough. Because real love forgets itself, doesn't it? Love doesn't cling to its own survival, its own dignity, or need to make its own point. When he called me to come, to show them what I was and what he had, should it have felt good? And if not, why couldn't I forget myself for him? Why didn't I go? But is it love when it comes as a command? Is it any kind of love that only demands and never gives back? Or shouldn't I have looked for love at all? I was where I should have been. I was good at that, where he had set me, the women's banquet. And I would say it was more dignified, but maybe only looked that way. Fear trembled under the table quietly. And after seven days, when the party never stopped, 
and I was weary and lonely and hoping we were near the end. The command came to parade in my crown at his feast. Everyone heard and saw and waited. They knew it wasn't done, it wasn't decent, but it was demanded. Only no part of me was ready to go. He owned me and I resisted. I would not go. And that was the end of us. But not of me. I thought it might end everything, but here I am. And the contours of life are changed. And my body doesn't glow with shame. No, it is being born again. The pain is shifting. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy of The Girl Deconstruction Project by Rachel Gardner, you can order it now at the Youthscape store, www.youthscape.co.uk slash store. Uh, it's priced £12.99 and published by Hodder. However, you can also win a copy uh, if you happen to be listening uh, when these podcasts go out for the first time. Uh, we are running a competition all this week uh, to win one of five delightful goodie bags including a copy of the book uh, and a glorious limited edition courage necklace uh, and you can get your hands on a cop on one of those uh, by uh, emailing podcast at youthscape.co.uk with your answer to the question what is one piece of advice that you would love to hand on to uh, girls teenage girls growing up in the uk today uh, that, so that's uh, that's podcast at youthscape.co.uk but as well as this podcast this week, did you know that every Monday we release a Youthscape podcast where we interview a fantastic guest from around the world of youth ministry? And uh, you can get that for free. You can go to iTunes or you can download it from the Youthscape store, which is youthscape.co.uk forward slash podcast. <laughs>